Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that's bringing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we're going to ask you, hey, share. Share far and wide, would you please? Uh, we need to become like some of these European farmers and put millions of people in the streets because we've got to stop these Bolshevik communists. We've got Paul Preston with us. And we're going to make a tour around the world here, starting in Georgia. Oh, man. Uh, Arizona's bad. Georgia's a close second. And Paul's going to be telling us all about it before we join Paul, though. You know my belief, parallel economy, baby. You need to get away from the clutches of the banks because they can steal your money because you've been declared by the Dodd-Frank Law 2010 to be an unsecured creditor. So here's what you got to do. I'm going to send you a free information packet. No one's going to bug you. No one's going to call you. All you got to do is look at it and say, gee, I can save my retirement. I can get the majority of my money out of the bank and I can make good money with it. Yes, you can. Now, the FTC wants me to tell you there's no guarantees. We agree with giving that warning. It's too bad that they didn't have Sam Bankman-Fried give that warning, but we're happy to comply. But the reality is I've been an advertiser of Noble Gold for six years. I've been a customer for over five. I, mean, I sleep better at night knowing that the banks can't grab the majority of what I own, and you don't want that either. So go to DaveHodgesGold.com, DaveHodgesGold.com, or... You can call directly 877-646-5347, 877-646-5347. Join me in getting away from these people. Okay, Paul, it's good to have you here, my friend. The, you know, Paul is the president of the New California Movement, making great progress towards becoming our 51st state, breaking away from the uh, People's Republic of California. And uh, Paul also has a popular radio show we'll be telling you about, the listen, Agenda 21 Radio. I've had the pleasure of being on that show a number of times. It is a great show, most popular digital radio show in America. Well, Paul, I, I want to start with an anecdote, and then we'll lead right into Georgia. Carrie Lake exposes the chairman of the of the Republican Party for offering a bribe on behalf of rich people back east who will kill him if they find out he does anything wrong, and she tapes it. He has to resign. Of course, no one's going after him because there's no crimes anymore. We have no justice system. But she goes to the Republican meeting to pick a new person. She gets up and makes a nomination, and the Republicans boo her, which yeah. means they're fine with stolen elections. And yeah. by the way, they were bribing her not to run against a Democrat, Paul. It's not GOP versus GOP. It the was Democrat. GOP bribing Kerry not to run against a radical leftist Democrat, Ruben Gallegos, and they booed her. So they're fine with stolen elections. They're fine with bribes. I'm sure they're fine with Epstein's list. And you know what? This is what I'm telling people. You need to vote out most of the Republican incumbents in the primary. There are a bunch of rhinos that are controlled by China, the cartels, and their money laundering operations. So, Paul, that's my bent. But you've got something that's going to really, I think, get people's attention that's going on in Georgia. Tell us about it. Well, that uh, Cullen case is the case um, that was brought six years ago, uh, basically promulgated by um, the Diebold machines at the time. They were oh, using yeah. election machines. Diebolds are the precursors in many states like California that have been around for a long time. Um, the Diebold machines actually were thrown out in um, decertified, but under Kevin Shelley as Secretary of State in 2003, with the Schwarzenegger recall election, by the way. Let's hold that thought. And the reason why was because Shelley found out that there's the, 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 uh, the tabulators 
were taking instructions by way of the internet from Venezuela. Uh-huh. I haven't tabulate. heard of Venezuela, but I've heard of China and Italy. So you're saying there's a third location for voting machines now well, to be controlled remotely? Well, the, the first one, the very first one that they started with was in Venezuela. And that was that they started with Venezuela, then they worked their way around the world. And as, you know, ESNS and all these other companies started to grow, uh, then you finally uh, ended up with a another uh, company called Dominion out of Sequoia, ESNS, and so on. Uh, then that Dominion became the dominant theme machine, but there are other machines out there, Heart Rarity, um, there's ESNS, and there's Diebold even still today as a, as a variant of Dominion and others. These machines all uh, have to work in a coordinated style all around the nation in order to function properly. We found that one out. So um, this case started back in 2018, I think, and, and or just before 2018 with Cullen and some other uh, patriots uh, who wanted to get to the bottom of the voting fraud because they saw the fraud then. Well, this case has just been wallowing around in courts and everything. So finally, um, it started to really pick up steam with the, when the 2020 election happened because then you know it was more intense. They, they understood what the cheat was really about. So they ended up um, getting a call in the, the, the plaintiffs in this case. They ended up hiring a J. Al, was a J. Alec Halderman. Uh, from the University of Michigan, and he's an expert on computers. He's an expert on tabulation machines. He's an expert on all the voting systems all throughout the world. And he's been following these machines for about 20-some years. Well, he was he was doing YouTubes uh, 11 years ago, Dave. I 11 saw years them. ago. I saw and, them, yeah. I, but, and, you know, now that we, we people are putting a place and face together, um, but I saw them, too, about 11 years ago, and that's how my base knowledge about everything, as I ever discovered about the machines, is because of him, you know, and his research and everything. It wasn't just the one. Uh, he did seminars all over the world on these machines, kind of telling the world that, you know, you guys, you should, shouldn't be using them. As machines. Yeah. Didn't he, he give didn't he give congressional testimony to? I believe he did. Yeah. And he gave and, and I saw this on YouTube. He demonstrated how you could flip the vote from 52 to 48 one way to 52, 48 the other way. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, and anyway, so he he ends up going around the world telling the world all about this stuff. And then he ends up, I, I don't know, I, the biggest one that I saw that was the most convincing was the one he did at UC Irvine um, back in 2000, I think, 18. And but his, his predicting about the 2016 election and then the 2020 election, of course, caught everybody. But, you know, he had solid facts to support whatever he was saying. And he demonstrated successfully 11 years ago how these machines can be electronically manipulated how That's the right. votes can be manipulated how the tabulators uh, can be easily manipulated he he did a, a radical demonstration in the courtroom radical it was he's he's with a demonstration he has done for years actually and i've seen it where he uh, has uh, two potential candidates vying for a presidential position as benedict arnold and george washington well sure enough um you know, they put in the card and everything, and uh, the, it turns out that Benedict Arnold wins two, to two or three to two. And of course, everybody's going, "Wait a minute, there's something wrong with that," you know. And said, "Oh no, that's what the vote turned out to be." And everything on the machine registered that. Well, when they took the card out, they looked at the card, and guess what? It was five zero George Washington. And then he goes on and continues to demonstrate how he can manipulate the votes manually just with the machines but also shows electronically 
and you can put a thumb drive in and the, the machine will magically flip boats. It'll do all the things that we're talking about. He did that first demonstration 11 years ago. And then all of a sudden it pops up in his own report to the court. The court unsealed the report about two about a month and a half ago. And I looked at the report and I said, well, just this is all the stuff I know already. This is old news. So what that means is this. It wasn't what we're discovering. This was new news to Ratzensperger. And Ratzensperger was holding up the delivery of that. I mean, because he was the secretary of state, he could. He was holding up the delivery of that report with the court and for at least two and a half years, Dave. So we could have had this report two and a half years ago, but we didn't. But now here's the, the important thing. This court is come this report is coming out in court, which has never happened. There's never been any presentation of voter fraud in any court in the nation until now. And now it's entered into the record that you have a judge. Totenberg is her name, and she's a Clinton appointee. Wow. No, I'm sorry, I think an Obama appointee. And she has been convinced of the fraud. And what we are hearing uh, from the court and some of the, the citizen journalists there, that what we're hearing is the judges leaning towards, wait for it, wait for it, getting rid of the machines out of Georgia and ordering a one-day paper ballot hand-counted election in georgia in november <laughs> shocking yeah. uh, i mean it's, it's fraud it's complete fraud and now it's seen it's in court and now dominion you know, look, have you heard from dominion on this not a word have you or in any of the other companies or what about mr ratzenberger i think he ought to explain how come he's been sidling up to all the Cal california county clerk recorders over the since august he came out and spoke to their convention what did he tell them all hang together. We're all going to hang together or hang one at a time. Well, I mean, what what type of things? And he's been out consulting with Shasta County County Clerk Recorder. Yeah, uh, it was about as dirty as they get. Um, so I mean, you can see the ramifications of this, Dave. And this, I don't think it's manifested yet, but give it another month, and the general public is going to find out about this. And then it's Katie bar the door. Can you imagine? I think this is the bye-bye time for Biden. <clears throat> and then what you're going to see is you're going to see pretty boy Gavin Newsom step in. That's all they have. Yeah, I, I hear you on this. I, I, you know, I, here's the interesting thing. and I think we should clarify this for the audience. There has not been a court case on voter fraud. Uh, they always say you don't have standing or they, 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 exact like with Carrie Lake, let me give you an example. You had Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State, running for governor against Kerry, and she interfered in the election by telling people they had to do certain things at certain times in their elections in their county, and she violated the law in doing that, conflict of interest. And now uh, you had two counties that didn't want to certify because of this, and she told them she'd put them in prison. And and so that that's as far as court cases got. Now, when Kerry got into court, they wouldn't admit that evidence. And then uh, the other thing is, is when the voting machines failed, 60% of them in Republican districts of Maricopa County and over 150,000 voters were disenfranchised. Uh, they said, there's no problem with that. This is what the judges were saying. So but, that's, as, that's as close as they've come to entertaining evidence <laughs> until now. Yeah. And, and now it's, uh, 
no one wants it to come out, but the bottom line is it's coming out regardless of what, uh, regardless of what happens, it is going to come out and um, that's going to be a whole different dynamic. And I know out here in California, we just had our uh, one day election demo uh, yeah, in 17 yeah. counties and went absolutely superbly one day counting paper ballots, the whole nine yards. Our people were ready for it. Um, it was Shelby Bunch, who's in charge of all this stuff, she just did a fantastic job and got everybody on course for the right thing to do. The first time in American history this has ever happened. And I'm telling you, there's going to be another election coming up in March that's uh, going to involve more than 50 counties, Dave, of New California. What's the so, election about? Well, the, elect- the these are demo elections. We want to get, you know, it's kind of like in you know basketball practice or football practice, you you set the people out on the floor and you walk through it. You know, it's a walkthrough type of thing, a demo, exactly. yep. a, you know, form fitting, form practice, that sort of thing. Anyway, so this is what we're doing with the public. And it worked out brilliantly uh, last Saturday, uh, absolutely brilliantly. Now we're going to expand it to more counties. This is, an all, this is a, in preparation for our own new California state election to, uh, to get our constitution approved by the public. That's what this is about. So we're no longer part of California. We don't look at it. Uh, we're a state. We're a state in the, and no, we're not a state in the union yet. That's what we want to try and do. But there's a lot of things going on now with that. And of course, that's the, the Abbott story. But getting back just momentarily to this whole thing with the election, I think you're going to see in California all paper ballots. They're not, I, I think that the timing is going to be right for that. There's going to be paper ballots and these paper ballots are going to, um, to tell the true story finally about some of these characters. There may be some other things happening though, and that may be um, what is gonna be revealed if somebody says, look, we're gonna push this whole thing about fraud. And what that means is that you're gonna see elections that are gonna be considered fraudulent all the way back to 2018. If that's the case, then you get a judge that's gonna rule that, you know, what's gonna, and possibly could, then you're going to see uh, people being frog marched right out of Washington, just exactly as the Brunsons uh, had projected. And we we had theorized this um, back when we thought that Trump was going to be able to step in um, because of the correction on the voting for the uh, for the uh, electoral votes. Uh, we thought we theorized that there could be this kind of a process that set up that anybody who won by the corrupt election system would have to be recalled and revoted on. And that would mean Biden would have to be dismissed as president. And there would be a special president or somebody who would have to sit in until further notice, basically. But we're theorizing that Trump actually could be that person. Remember, Trump could have been the Speaker of the House and then elevate. It still could happen now. I mean, that still could, that theory of it we talked about and that uh, the House appoint Trump as the Speaker of the House, get rid of get rid of Mike uh, Johnson, which every, there's a strong feeling that people want to get rid of Mike Johnson right now. No, he uh, should be gotten rid of. Where, where, yeah. Where's the, where, where's the, you know, he meets with Paul Ryan and all of a sudden we don't hear any more about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden's impeachment. Yeah. We don't hear it. We, all we hear is more money going to the illegal foreign nationals coming across the border. Yeah. And that hasn't that quieted down. They've, they've really put the kibosh on news and media coming out of that ever since Biden got the notice uh, from from uh, Abbott, which there's, that's a whole big story in and of itself, too. But uh, there's a lot of moving parts going on. The border's a big part of it. 
And this election, which I think is going to ultimately not happen in the way that they think it will, I don't think that, Dave, out here in California, they don't have the money to run the election, number one. And they're, these uh, county supervisors, we just found out about one of the big counties, Santa Barbara, is in major financial trouble as a county. We just found that out from our county chairs. And listen to this. Are you ready for this? What's the county's solution? Here's the county's solution. They have some legacy oil derricks that sit off the coast, right? Yeah, you yeah. see Santa Barbara. And these they're shut down. The environmentalists made them shut them down. And so they shut them down. And now the county stands through the environmentalists. We're reopening them because it's revenue and we need the revenue. <laughs> That's just absolutely amazing. I, I You know, you triggered something in me and I lost a thought. Oh, I wanted to mention this. Rathensburger and the governor of Georgia, Kemp, Kemp. they're owned by China. And I covered this several right. years ago. I mean, they're in China knee deep. Well, that's a that's an interesting thing you say that. Um, but we've known we've known that. That's one of the reasons that Rathensburger is out in California. Uh there's the Chicom connection to our elections out here. That's uh, we we had, you know we put two and two together real quick on him and also on Kemp and there's so many others. I mean, look at what's going on in, in your own uh, state of Arizona. Everybody's connected somehow to China. You know, we had well, Penn. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the report to the governor with John Taylor, former RICO investigator, right? And yeah, uh, he, uh, he he names names in the legislature who's on the take with Sinaloa money laundering, and that's byproduct of China. If you talk. In Arizona, in fact, many states, if you talk cartel, you're talking China, you talk China, you're talking cartel. That's and right. They, and, and, and you know what else I found out, Paul? You'll find this interesting. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Suits on Netflix where you got a guy that is really smart and they hire him as a lawyer and he's a fraud. He never went to law school, but he's so smart yeah, he gets away yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen yeah. to me. This, the version of Suits is going on in Arizona. John <laughs> Thaler, John Thaler has affidavits showing this. There are lawyers who've become judges that never went to law school and databases were hacked and, and credentials were implanted. And John Thaler has the evidence. This is going on all through Arizona. Does not surprise me. It's Bush country. It doesn't surprise me one little bit. Um, well, I mean, again, like I said, Carrie Lake gets booed for exposing uh, a bribe and fraud. Uh, unbelievable. She gets booed by the GOP. That's why folks do not vote for GOP in the upcoming primary election, with a few exceptions. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, uh, Comer. I think, and Comer's had his legs cut out from him by uh, Mike Johnson. He's not, he did not want to drop the impeachment. This is what I've been told by a staffer. But uh, Mike Johnson ordered him to because uh, Paul Ryan was all over him. You got to wonder, what do they have on Mike Johnson? Well, they've obviously got something. And, you know, that's why I say, you know, our situation for New California is that it had in a perfect world, which we all know it's not perfect, and we take risks. We'd be uh, wanting to put our people in there to to push for statehood. Right now, we're not doing that. Right now, what we've done is uh, we officially, by this letter right here, um, we have officially joined the group to support Texas as the state of New California. Uh, we are the 26th state uh, to support, and uh, we sent that letter off today. Um, and one awesome. to President Trump and the rest to the to the governors and also to um, Governor Abbott. Now that that that's what we're doing as the new California state. We're supporting them and we're Paul, glad to do that. 
I got to throw a fly in the ointment here, okay? And I'm going to defer to your judgment, but let me lay this out. Biden has never given a crap about the border. Biden is, I mean, Biden, excuse me, I mean, uh, Abbott has never given a crap about right, the Texas right. border. He's never cared about illegals. He's never t- cared about absconding with Texas resources to pay. He's never tried to regulate Catholic services or any of these NGOs that bring these illegals in. And all of a sudden, he sounds like me and you quoting Article 4, Section 4, and he says, yeah, we're going to stand up to you, by God. I'm going to tell you, Paul, there's a lot of people that I'm talking to, and some of them are military types. They think Biden and uh, Abbott are in cahoots to start a civil war, so martial law can ensue, there'll be no election, and it's a shutdown of America. What do you think? Oh, I totally agree. Um, and I'm no bad, I am absolutely no Abbott fan. Uh, you know, you, you talk to Mike Dion for two seconds, he brings everything out. You know, you, you scratch him a little bit, and he comes out Abbott. You know, it's just, uh, guys, world uh, economic forum, blah, blah, blah. And he's adamant about it. And it's true. And it, it's true. You know, um, his partner, or sometime partner going down to the Daring Gap is Ann Vandersteel. She was on my show today, and we talked a lot about that. Uh, but, you know, I don't trust Abbott, uh, not at all. I think it's, it's hysterical. Some of the language that he's using, it's like they've been reading our declarations or our, our, our uh, grievances over the last 190 weeks when we did those. Yeah, um, yeah. But I it, agree. It, it's the same language and set up the same way. So it's not unlike or the situation that Mr. Abbott had got a lot of heat. This is what some people are saying, that he got a lot of heat from the public. They're pissed. Finally, they're pissed. And he's reacting to it. But here's the other thing, too. Um, it came out with Tucker Carlson when I was listening to him, and he had been talking to Abbott. And Abbott, when he was talking, he had already written a letter. The letter was out there. Everybody saw it. Well, Tucker Carlson was interviewing Abbott while he was in India. India, an enemy of America now. BRICS nation trying to bring down our economy. Yeah, Right, exactly. he's over in India. Yeah, he's, over, he's over in India for three weeks. Yeah, you, well, that, Texas, you Texas National Guard, you get out of the border, you're on your own, I'm going to India. Well, no, actually, the, the lieutenant governor and uh, both uh, the lieutenant governor and the attorney general, Paxton, as you, as you know, um, they're Trump supporters. Now, here's a little newsflash out of Eagle Pass. As of about four hours ago, I got a, a, a couple of tapes. There are no illegal immigrants at the border. There's none trying to get across. Yeah, I, I'm hearing, hey, uh, hey, Roger, uh, uh, Smokey Bear, keep the illegals in Mexico for a while. It's yeah, hot at the border. Exactly. I guarantee you. Well, listen, exactly. I, already know, I already know this for a fact. My two Border Patrol sources have told me, independently of each other, that they have witnessed Border Patrol uh, senior officials, senior officers, radio when it's okay to bring the illegals in. I'm not joking when I say this. Oh, I totally believe that. They have this system so flicked up, you know. Yeah. But but the but the, if it, if you can make it work, it works. That's the point. And uh, here there's some complications going on, and I'm going to test these two uh, in Texas right now. Uh, I believe they're going to ignore anything that Abbott needs to do as, as a governor. They're not. They don't respect him. He's off. The, he's off the continent. They're going to, I think, go rogue on him, which is what they must do. I think that I think I have a strong hunch that they are going to act accordingly as a governor would if there's another 
let go of people coming across the border and they will stop them. They will stop them. But um, this is this is going to play out over the next couple of weeks. And I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I know Michael Yon, a war correspondent, he couldn't stay away from this theater. He thinks there's going to be an outbreak. He, he's like us, um, pretty much thinks that this is going to be a trigger moment, false flag. I agree. Uh, I agree. Could very well happen along here. Mm-hmm. Um, that we signed the letter to show support, not necessarily for Abbott, but we signed the letter as New California, more in support of the 25 other states to say we stand with you in protecting the border. That's what our statement basically was. And That's we're true. talking about that because you have what you have right now is a bifurcation of the states. Well, that the last time that happened was the Civil War. I know. And it's, it's split got, right down the middle. You know, it's amazing how it's split down the middle. Paul, I want to show the audience something here. And we're not revealing any numbers here, but I want to see if I can get uh, this to display. Maybe not. Oh, here we go. These are text messages here that I, I can't get it display on the screen, but uh, I'm looking at two text messages here. I tried to communicate with Paul twice today, uh, and you're not the only one, Paul. Uh, my uh, general friend, uh, I can't get a hold of him either the same way. Right. My text messages to you show up as failed. Right. Yet, yet I turned around and I texted Doug Thornton, ex-DHS supervisor, and it went right through. And I just said, wow. See, I tried to send you a reminder about our interview tonight, and that didn't go through. And I didn't catch it until later this evening. And then I sent you, oh, Paul, you've got the codes for our interview over on our email. And uh, it wouldn't go through. Uh, you're having trouble because you're, you're um, let's uh-huh. put it this way, you're over the target and you're taking flack. T- tell people what's going on with your communications. Well, they're just being hacked like crazy. Um, just before the show here, I had to adjust my sound, which I, you know, I don't need to adjust my sound, but, you know, I haven't touched my sound since this morning on the radio show. Oh, by the way, uh, before the radio show, I had to really go through and readjust all my sound. Um, we're out right now in some channels. I'm not going to say which one, uh, which ones, uh, because they're being jammed up right now. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is just typical, but also lots of service, lots of community, lots of our um, oftentimes our data from our from our websites uh, being disappeared. We're, we're starting to experience things like that. I had that, uh, I had a data dump too. I was in communication with the guy who's trying to syndicate my show uh, and he's having some success and all of a sudden all my data to him disappeared. Right. Oh. The, the disappearing data. <laughs> but I, I've been able to well, recover. I'll, I'll name the guy. It's, it's Scotty Sachs. Who's, oh, on yeah. Sa- who's on Salem Radio, ex-Hollywood producer, left because he wouldn't put up all the BS. Great man, uh, great figure in our movement. He's uh, involved in that uh, trucking convoy going to the border. He, he and Kim Yader, and I'm sure you know who Kim is from San Diego. Yeah, she's on, she's on Salem Radio with Scotty. I can't communicate with Scotty. I've had a heck of a time getting through. I actually had to call one of his uh, associates today to get a message to him. And so they're they're attacking us on a communication level. And here's my point for bringing it up, Paul. I don't give a crap about the harassment. But what they're trying to do is disrupt our communications because we're on the money with what we're saying. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're over the target. We're on the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't know quite a, kind of what to do with it. Um, but, you know, we're not, listen, we're not stopping. We're pushing back hard here in new California and we're pushing back hard on the general 21 radio. Um, we're, we're not afraid of the truth. Um, they are, 
And, you know, they're backpedaling, Dave. They are absolutely backpedaling. They got so many things. The onion is unraveling. And, you know, when you're, when it's hot, 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 and the onion's unraveling, you're in trouble. And they are in trouble. They are in big trouble. And I don't know what, uh, there's going to have to be something big that they're going to try and do. And it could be the Oroville Dam. Oh, my gosh. We have covered that so many times. And it's back. Um, It's kind of interesting. They're changing the numbers. Okay, so what happened is uh, we've been watching the Oroville Dam because, you know, the Oroville Dam gets to 813 feet and it gets to the bottom of the spillway. We've been, this story is just repetitive, you know, because we've been telling everybody. But now we've been having all these rainstorms and we're expecting a rainstorm again tomorrow that's going to last for five days straight. That really isn't totally unusual for up here, but it usually happens maybe in December, not not February. So we have um, this storm coming, and we've had a succession of them. And as a result, now the lake is up. The lake is up above about 840. <clears throat> so last Monday, the DWR, which, by the way, is 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 now administered by a whole different group of people than even a year ago, which I find interesting. Anyway, uh, they decided to run a test of the spillway. It's a 15-minute test. They're going to run 750 uh, CFS over the surface. That's the hardly nothing. It's less than 1,000 CFS cubic feet per second over the spillway. It's supposed to be built for 179,000 cubic feet per second. No way will it even go to 20,000. It just won't make it. So they're doing this test, and suddenly we're starting to get all the numbers coming in. They had inflows of 29,000 CFS a couple of nights ago, inflows of that much. So that water is now up to 840, right? And from 813 to 840. And we think they're going to do, we think that potentially they could destroy that dam, and that's the big bomb. See, Paul, Paul let, let, me, let me encapsulate this very, very quickly because I've written about it, and we've done so many shows on this. If that dam goes, rushing mm-hmm. water will be in Sacramento very, very quickly, less than an hour. And you got two million people that are in danger. It's going to wipe out one of the biggest bread baskets in America in terms of nuts and fruits and rice. And it's the biggest exporter in those products in the world. And uh, what is it? Seventy percent of retail crosses uh, Interstate fifteen. Interstate five. Uh, Interstate five. And and so you'll have uh, commerce totally disrupted if this dam goes. So you have a mass casualty event. You have disruption of agriculture. There'll be food shortages around the world and including America. And there'll be total chaos. And this is exactly what they need for a distraction to stop the election from having happening right. and having all the disclosures that we're making right now about what's going on. Right. And we anticipate it's going to happen now. You know, there's this... Um... You know, you you had uh, the Secretary of the Interior uh, for Bill Clinton. I can't remember his name right now, but he uh, he came out and he's the guy who's has the idea that you should take down all dams in the Western United States. Yeah, I know, and they've tried that while, right? Uh-huh. Well, they've they they actually have been doing that now up there in in the, in the Klamath River area. Uh, they've just removed, I believe, two of the four dams that are up right. there, Southern and Oregon. It is a mess. It is a filthy, they're killing fish, they're killing habitat, they're killing uh, deer, uh, any any animal that has anything to do with that river. Because of all the sludge, all the filth, they've destroyed, they've, they've destroyed the fisheries. Um, we knew this was going to happen. I'm a biologist. I mean, 
know, to me, it's a no-brainer. You're going to do something like that with this thing. And again, these are people, uh, Jerry Brown was all over this. They want to destroy these dams. And of course, we found this out because um, this guy, I can't remember his name right now, I'll think of it. Um, he came out, he was hired by Jerry Brown in 2017. And he comes uh, comes out and he's telling everybody, he goes up to the, we have two dams not too far from me in, in Yuba County. And he stands on the dams and he says, we're going to take these dams down. And he's doing that all over and up and down California. And then all of a sudden we had the big blow up in Oroville. So everybody's going, oh, are you going to take this one down? Is, is this part of the plan? So now they've actually gotten to the point where they've been destroying two of the four dams in the Klamath River, which is what they've always tried to do. They use the Indians as the, as the stooges, basically. And it's what it's doing. It's, it's ruined another breadbasket of, of food production in California. And the Klamath River will go at flood stages because it was a torrential flooding uh, uh, river. And homes, everything is going to be totally taken out uh, in big rains like what we're going to experience now. But the Oroville Dam is the next target, I'm telling you. They have everything planned out. I mean, we have put together a, a theory that what they're going to do to, to trigger this whole thing, because they want to get rid of the whole project, the entire project of the Oroville Dam. That means you have to go upriver in the Feather River and take down all those dams that are up there, which hold back water so that you won't, you'll be able to save water, have water that goes in the Oroville Dam to produce energy and also to supply water. Well, what they plan to do, in my opinion, is that you may recall that you have ammonium nitrate missing about 30 tons of it. That was missing since about a year, over a year ago, out of Wyoming, and they take they took that thing and they drove it to Mojave, California, the cars, and the cars got lost, the train cars got lost, and that's the missing ammonium nitrate. Well, my theory is is that they're going to take that ammonium nitrate and put it in box cars, or could very easily put it in box cars and park them right next to the dams on the tracks right next to the dams in the, in the Feather River Canyon and detonate each one of those. And that would do the dams in that water would rush into Oroville. That water would cause the overtopping of Oroville. And the, ultimately if they were driving water over that spillway, a combined event would, would destroy the dam and that water would flood. Dave, like you talked about in 2018, 2, two million, million, 2 million people at risk. That's right. Yeah. And there's no escape. Once that dam breaks, those people in Sacramento will never get out in time. Never. Uh, uh, when I was sitting here in this studio, I had cameras. Um, we had cameras on all these computers uh, looking at various parts of the river, the Feather River. Um, and, you know, it was very, very interesting, Feather River and the Sacramento River and the American River. But it was very, very interesting to see how the water level was matching the critical points of when we thought this dam might go. I was sitting here. This was the night we thought it was going to go. And on this screen, I'm watching Sacramento. On this screen, I'm watching the Yuba River. On this screen, I'm, and I'm watching several. They're all levee top to levee top. They couldn't. They're going to start spilling over. Had that dam gone with all those rivers at that maximum flood stage, it definitely would have happened. That water would have gotten there instantly because the water rising up in the rivers and everything it would have crushed uh, sacramento would have killed uh, at least uh, anywhere from we already know they had at the time 
they had about uh, 300, uh, but almost a quarter million people on the highways that would have been trapped. Yes. They were trapped. They were everybody's in traffic jam trying to get out of the valley here, and they couldn't do it. And we lost five or six people in auto accidents due to that. And um, it's just chaos what will happen. And then the food, the famine that will follow with the food being destroyed. Yeah, and commerce coming off the coast would be non-existent. So right now, this dam could, they could take this dam out. And oh, by the way, we're wondering why, this is the kicker, we're going to wait and see what happens in the morning. But right now, if you were to go to the Oroville Channel and you take a look at the water levels, it doesn't say 840 feet. Dave, it says 514 feet. Really? Well, we're going to see if it still stands tomorrow. At that level, the, See, they spill, don't want the spillway has never been fully repaired, has it? No, oh, no, no. It's it's damaged goods. In order to fix it right, they have to tear it up. That that would be another billion dollars to remove it all. The, the, <laughs> when that river reaches Sacramento, doesn't it hook up with two other rivers and will make its way to the coast? It makes its way. It makes its way to the Delta from there down mm-hmm. to Stockton. Stockton, well, you got the the Sacramento River going uh, down to one part of the Delta. Then it also spills on down to Stockton. It'll all uh, it'll all fill up that whole uh, Delta down there. And there's more flooding in the Delta, more homes to be lost. Talking to our Army Corps of Engineers, I asked him the scenario about six or seven years ago when we first started covering this, and I said, "What do you think the casualty rate would be?" And they said. 150 to 200,000 people. Right. Does that match with what you know? No, but no, not even close. It'd be more than that? Do you tell us if the dam goes? If yeah. the dam goes, there's going to be 2 million people potentially as casualties easily. And that would be the distraction of all distractions. Sure. Uh, there's something else going on. Even, even if it went and you had 100,000 people killed, the, the magnitude of the starvation that would befall the world is is almost incomprehensible because of the loss of the rice growing area for five, six years. I was told it would be more dramatic than Fukushima. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's something I want to bring up south of the border since we were on the border a moment ago and go back there. Um, I had indications early last week, just about a week ago, that uh, Fast and Furious Part 2 was being, uh, had been reassembled by Deep State connected to the Biden administration, and they're shipping guns to cartels and military interests. There's three pathways of immigration to the United States, and on the one that the Chinese and Venezuelans are using, this is where the guns were going. So it was leaving Mexico and going south through Guatemala. And... Um, the, uh, people said, Dave, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. Well, two days later, I had Pastor Sam Arnold on my show. He's my Latin American expert. And he forgets more about Latin America than I'll ever know. And he said, Dave, the Mexican government's already launched a protest. He showed me the paperwork. And he said, this is common knowledge in Mexico. And I said, well, what are they alleging? He said, they're alleging that the Biden administration is using gun manufacturers to send the guns to the cartels. And I'm saying they're not using gun manufacturers. They're trying to kill two birds with one stone. So they want to be able to crack down on the gun manufacturers in America. And they also Mm -hmm. want to supply the cartels and the Chinese and Venezuela. Oh, they're making the guns on the Indian reservation. There you go. Exactly what I, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. 
And and so I'm looking at this. What do you make of Fast and Furious Part Two reassembling here and sending guns into Mexico and beyond? I think it's all part of the overall strategy. You have guns that you have weapons that are already prior placed here in in the United States. We know about that, but I think this is all part of the strategy. I think when they ran the Fast and Furious um, back in the uh, Obama era, that that was just the beta test for this. You know, the attack on Israel on October 7th, I've learned that those guns came out of Ukraine and the money behind it was supplied by missing Pentagon money that right. was never accounted for in black budgets. Have you heard that too? Uh, oh, yeah. The, the the weapons in particular, all the all the weaponry and stuff like that. I mean, the Houthis are shooting off rockets that we provide. Okay, that's what I thought. You know, the, we're, they're, they're, the reason why they're so accurate and why they're trying to hit ships and hitting ships and then we're pushing back with the ships that don't have ammunition, which I find interesting. Um, you know, they, uh, those rockets were the ones that were provided by Joe Biden. And, and anybody else who wants to run uh, weapons to, you know, any other of the weapons producing companies, the one-on-one weapons to Ukraine, those weapons will make their way into the Houthis and terrorists all around the world. What about the guns on one on the third immigration path that Michael Yon talks about? Is this for an invasion force? Do you think is it light infantry stuff? It, it could. Oh yeah, good. Very. There, there's too much. Um, the the population of individuals coming across the Chinese, in particular, their soldiers. There's these are soldiers. You can see that it's, they have the they they have the high and tight uh, look. Uh, you know, and. You know, looking over some of his videos, they've been able to now start to sort out ethnically what I'm looking at on the screen. And I'm seeing a lot of Syrians, a lot of Syrians. And they seem to be very, very determined. But the Ukrainians are already here. The Ukrainians is a subset within the population, the deep fifth column here in America. California, they're all over the place. And we're talking about military age men. You can go down to the Department of Motor Vehicles and most of the big cities, and you, you'll run into the Ukrainians down there getting their driver's license that have just come across the border. So California has a huge infiltration. This is normal. If you want to do a repopulation um, invasion or replacement population invasion, you do things like bring in Ukrainians who look like Americans in a sense, and they can befriend other Americans and the high elites, and pretty soon um, they're off killing them before the invasion takes place. That's what that's what uh, Hitler did with the Poles in Poland before the invasion of Poland. Right. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And I, and I see the same thing here. Um, but I want to go back to my question here. Everyone uses the phrase Red Dawn. They overuse it. But I think Red Dawn might be appropriate here. If they're sending uh, high-grade military weapons to cartel and four national army members, uh, it's. I'm just wondering... Could this be an invasion of like a fifth column force where they'll seize key objectives prior to a real invasion? I I think that um, from what I'm seeing and um, the cast of characters that I'm seeing come across the borders, I think they have a, they have objections that they're going to pre uh, preoccupy before there's a the the big lift in terms of the fifth column and then an invasion after that. I think they're going to secure places, and then the invaders are going to show up, show up. There's already talk with the United Nations. I've been getting um, intelligence reports I can't verify yet 
none of us can verify them, but we're hearing more and more that UN people are showing up in some of the big cities. I've heard that. Yeah, and, and Chinese and Chinese police as well. Chinese police, right? The Chinese police are definitely here. In fact, um, who was it? It was Michael Young. He said he was talking to the Chinese he met, and through an interpreter, he asked him, "Do you have Chinese police and agents in America?" And go, yeah, like yeah, like oh, yeah. Like, do you have to even have to ask that question? That was my take on what he said. Um, absolutely incredible what's going on. You know, this is what I've been saying a lot on my Rumble channel, Paul. I'm telling people, don't get excited about a civil war, because if we go into civil war, that'll weaken us and we'll be subject to invasion by Russia and China. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting time, and uh, that brings us to California, because um, we know what we're doing here and standing up as a state and for making the, the, you know, we made this proclamation of statehood a week ago yesterday and, uh, you know, down, down in Sacramento and very, very telling. We corrected a lot of things, but we also proclaimed that we're a state. Now, what that means is we are the monkey wrench in the globalist right now. We know that because, wait a minute, you're bringing in another state. And of course, we're going to be a Republican form of government, everything the founding fathers wanted. But we also corrected some history for the first time, telling this publicly for the first time in, in American history, in California history. Uh, but we stood up at the Capitol and we read the Declaration of 1836 of Alta Nuevo, California from Mexico, that Declaration of Independence, which no one wants to talk about. Now, Let's be very, very clear in understanding. What we're seeing here is that they're they're invading from the south. They're using a narrative that, of course, this land was owned by the Mexicans first and were the occupiers, and they're That's here to true. take it back. Well, I know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what. You know it's not true. Treaty of Guadalupe Hildago is never the right thing, and we want their property back, and you know, I've been down to Mexico and stood in their in their schools, and all their schools show that the northern uh, boundaries of Mexico include California, Nevada, um, you know, New Mexico, Texas, Utah, and all that. That's that's the northern border of Mexico. That's what their school maps show. Problem is, that's just not true. Yeah, the I know. Is there is that te- the the Texans declared independence in 1836 in March. From Mexico, which is 10 years prior to the Treaty of Guadalupe Hildago that we're talking about here. And so did the Alta California guys. Um, they're, they're, they were called Californios, and they were strict constitutionalists, David. This, this is what people don't get. You had, they were not Mexicans. They were Spanish Castilian stock. They did intermarry with the Mexican Mestizo Indians. They did do that. But they were very, very staunch. Republicans in the sense that they wanted a Republican form of government and admirers of the founding fathers. Yeah, I know. I, I've heard That's the story. Problem. It's amazing. And, and and so we go down and we say and make the proclamation about this in Sacramento. And we made speeches glorifying and we read that, doc, that declaration. And I am telling you, we've gotten more feedback on that. And it's a correction in history because it's never been told. But it also makes the narrative that we're hearing from all these uh, people trying to take us over, it's a lie. And we've known it's a lie. So 
we're straightening some things out from that standpoint. Uh, they're running into some problems because they have lost all influence over the population. We don't think that the, uh, we think we have a fifth column now. And I think that this is the thing to understand. Is it, you know, as I was talking to one of the people who advised us, they said, Paul, you do know that you also have a fifth column. And I said, what do you mean? There's people who don't want to support Newsom. They're your fifth column. And I said, you know, I think you're right. All of our feedback, including from Sheriff's Dave. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. has been very supportive of New California. Well, I know Sheriff Mack is on board with it. And Sheriff Mack's a good friend of mine. And uh, he speaks really highly to this effort that you're doing. Um, we covered something, and I, and I want to go back in time. And I may be just fantasy hunting here so i'm going to ask the audience to bear with me but prior to the 2016 election i think it was probably around 2014 2015 you and i reported on my show uh documentation that cartel members were going to be armed and they were going to start executing white people in the streets or at public events and i'm sure you remember that do you think the arming of these cartels could be in part at least geared towards doing something similar to that well um I, I taught one of my advisors um, is a very important person in the world of AMLO. And um, we, we talk quite a bit when we need to talk. It's on one of those. Okay, so the, the talk I just had just a couple of days ago is that the death squads are activated. And this is what everybody needs to look out for because this is who we've been talking about, Dave, all these years that they would come at a certain time now they've been activated and we're talking about they'll be taking out police and and law enforcement and politicians and media personalities i've been told they'll go to things like high school football games or concerts outdoor concerts and they'll kill as many people as they can i've even told that vegas situation which was more than one person was actually a beta test for such an activity it was a cartel hit the cartel beta, and the cartel was part of it, but it was a beta test. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I concluded. I am really surprised that they, that with all the shots that were fired and the caliber that was fired, I've been to Vegas since then, just kind of checking out the scene, and I'm surprised that so many people lived, that there weren't more casualties. Quite frankly, that's amazing. I, it's all coming to a head. Uh, I get the feeling. You remember in Vietnam in 1968, they had the Tet Lunar New Year truce. And so the United States, wrong, we thought we'd have three days of peace. And the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese troops attacked every capital of every province in South Vietnam. And it was a PR move to show the American people we got a lot of fight leftists and then your president's lying about winning the war. And what ended up happening is this mass attacks on one day. They even occupied the uh, embassy in Saigon. Do you think we're going to look at a Tet Offensive from these forces where, in, in terms of uh, multiple attacks across multiple fronts, grid down, dirty bomb, executing people at concerts? I mean, do you think we're going to see all of it at one time? Yes, I do. And I, I do think the Super Bowl is a, a possible trigger point. Wow. There's been movies made about that. You really think they would be that bold? Sure. One day event like that would destabilize the country, uh, and and you know that's that's what they're looking for. You know they they made a movie that um, 
you know, if you ever saw um, Act of Valor about the Navy SEALs. No, I didn't see that. This is about, you need to see that because it points to the Ukrainians and all the things that go on with the Ukrainians. But there's this, uh, I talked to Scotty Waugh, and Scotty Waugh, the producer, his dad was Spider-Man. And uh, he was a, so Scotty grew up in the in the Hollywood business, and now he, he's a producer. Um, what was it? Um, can't remember. I'll think of the second, the producing company that they, they produced. But the, the bottom line is, this was the program the Ill, about the Navy SEALs. It's one of the it's best produced program about the Navy SEALs you'll ever see. And uh, Scotty Wall tells the story that when he went down to Cor- Coronado to meet with them, to meet with some of the SEALs just to get an idea what this movie might look like, uh, he was escorted. He went to a, a bar down there, and uh, he was the only person in the bar, and he was facing the, the ocean and kind of looking out of the bay, and he was kind of looking around having a drink and stuff. And he thought to himself, well, you know, it's getting kind of late, and these people haven't arrived yet. So he turned around, and the whole room is filled with seals dressed up in different garb and camouflage. The whole room. And he's like, <laughs> he didn't even hear them come in. You know? So it started out with a great relationship. But here's the point. They came to an agreement that all the seals would actually be the characters. In the movie. They would be the actors. They had a few actors. but And so Scotty, Scotty was like, well, you don't have to hire anybody? And he goes, no, no, we want to do it. But we have this because the movie will be scripted after actual real life events that took place, actual events that took place. So this movie is a a primer to understand what the cartels are about, what we were actually dealing with 10 years ago. Um, It tells you, it shows you so much about the, even the Darien Gaps involved in Panama all that stuff, it's an amazing story, but it's an amazing story that centers around a, a possible event at a large event such as the Super Bowl. And uh, it needs you need to watch it because uh, the, this will tell you some of the things that these guys actually did and stopped the seal. Grid down. Then, grid down will be part of it, too. Uh, Paul, I hear exactly everything you're saying, and I could not agree with you more. Right. Um, it's going to hit on a single day. It'll be the ultimate day in infamy. Um, and it's just, it's crazy. It's come this far. I'm even going to make a bold prediction. They'll do it in conjunction with the Chinese, the traders in this country, and then China will launch a coordinated attack. Excuse me, against Taiwan. Right. I I think that <clears throat> I think that the opportunity could present itself in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, we had a, a real bad situation in Las Vegas years ago, as you know, um, and which never has been researched properly. The sheriff, who is part of the that whole operation, ended up being the, the police chief, which is yeah. like a county. Yeah, sheriff. in Lahaina. In Lahaina. I know. It can't get any weirder than that. Oh, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. It's just... yeah. We've raised a lot of questions tonight, and we're out of time, Paul. So you got about 15 seconds to tell people how to follow you. Well, Agenda 21 Radio um, on Red State Talk Radio, you can listen to us there, but we're also at A21R.com and NewCaliforniaState.com and click on, you can go to, we're on Rumble, we're on CloudHub, we're on on, uh, X, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on a number of different outlets and 
All you need to do is come to the what the website a21r.com is a21r.com and listen to us and get connected. Uh, we uh, we are on six a.m. to nine. And on that, on that note, my friend, we got a hard break coming. I appreciate you being on. Great information, Paul. Keep up the tremendous work on Agenda Twenty One Radio in New California. You too, Dave. Take care.